0: soon as you have the financial uh, ability to be able to hire someone that solely focuses on creating a sales process that is, is uh, scalable, that's trainable, that's repeatable, you got to get that in. Imp- great
1: experiences build great leaders.
0: Great leaders build great teams. This is Building Great Sales Teams
1: all right guys welcome back to building great sales teams this podcast right here has been probably six to eight months in the making i've been trying to get this man nailed down and we finally did i'm so excited about it guys i have sean huckstep he's a co-founder and cso over at Sales Rabbit, number one software in field sales, He's led and managed several door-to-door sales teams in the past as well. Sean, welcome to the show,
0: brother. Thanks, Doug. It's so good to be with you. And um, this has been a long time in the making, and and couldn't be more honored and privileged to be able to be on your podcast today. <clears throat>
1: Man, we've we've known each other for about seven or eight years now. Is that right?
0: Yeah, I I mean. I think that goes back into very early days of us even starting sales Rabbit. when, I mean, we've been in a company for maybe a little over 10 years now since we started sales Rabbit, and probably mm-hmm. maybe a year, two years into that, we we met you uh, yeah. back in the day yeah. and, and uh, just continued to stay in touch and it's fantastic to see what you're doing and and how you're influencing the industry and helping the sales world all together. I appreciate that. Yeah, we uh, we met at I think at the time
1: it was DirecTV Revolution, right? Yeah, I guess what it was called <laughs> back then. And, um, man, I had just gotten into the DirecTV game. You know, the the margins were a little bit higher than regular cable. And so we were figuring out ways, okay, how do we invest in our team? And um, you guys were there. Y'all had a booth there. Um, sales. I think we had talked before that, I want to say, that um, Yeah, Rodney Mirable or David Garza, one of those guys had introduced me to you, and was like, hey, they got the software, right? And it's everything you're trying to do on paper, but it's digital, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. so it was a it was a huge game changer for us. You know, we were able to to do a lot. And that's because that was the 1.0 version, you know. <laughs> and I've seen Sales Rabbit just like morph into this freaking beast of a software that um, you could basically run your sales team on. So that's been that's been awesome to see. Um I'm surprised though that uh and I guess you have a whole team there probably you're done doing events so
0: you're you're not at SolarCon, <laughs> obviously. Uh we'll be at SolarCon. I mean we're we're located just south of Salt Lake City is our headquarter office, and so SolarCon's Oh so that's just a Solar... right yeah. and so we're we're uh probably gonna be sending about 15-20 people up there to the event, but we'll have a booth. Um We'll be present there. I'll I'll probably be up there for maybe half of the show. Um, yeah, I I nice. just love being able to still go to events, stay in tune with what's happening in the market and the industry. And and the solar industry is really popping and has been. Um, mm-hmm. And there's been a lot of movement in that industry, especially uh, in California over the last week, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, it's been it's been it's been crazy. You know, I had a a two year stint in the industry. And um, it just week to week, it evolves so much. And then you know, you got regulation happening, you got new new tools coming out, uh, new panels, new tariffs. like it's a wild industry right now. And so if you're not on your game, you're gonna, you're gonna be in trouble. But okay, so you've seen the best of the best in the highly competitive environment of direct sales, field sales, you know what I'm saying? Uh, mm-hmm. what do you feel like the sales orgs that not just last a long time, but do really well, what, what do you feel like they have in
0: common? I think the number one thing that they have in common is great leadership. Um, you know, there's, there's a saying that everything rises and falls based on leadership. And I just believe that to be the absolute truth, especially when it comes to field sales. If you mm-hmm. don't have, Great leaders at the company uh, providing a path, providing a vision and direction uh, for these people that are coming in, especially these first year rookies, uh, Mm -hmm. first time on the doors, first time in the field trying to knock doors. And if they don't catch that vision, that energy that the leaders have, then typically you see them churn out so quickly. And it's really difficult to build a sales org when you have a high level of rep churn. And the leaders is what helps make people successful. It helps keep them motivated. It helps keep mm-hmm. them at a high level and, and really maintains that culture. And that is is by far, I think, the number one theme that I see across all these, these big orgs that we see that that scale up really quickly, be successful, and create a lot of great individual salespeople.
1: Yeah, I think my, my first uh, 10 years of my career, I should say, I defined leadership as the results that we got from the business. You know what I mean? And so Mm -hmm. I hung my hat on, you know, millions of dollars in sales, hundreds of sales reps. And it was like, of course, I'm a great leader. Look at the results, you know? And then I got a rude awakening, I would say, about two and a half years ago when I started joining masterminds, you know, and one of them being Apex, one of them being the RPO mastermind Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, shit, I have not been a good leader. <laughs> <laughs> and so I came to, to Jesus with that and have been working on it ever since, you know. And um, but I I couldn't agree more. You know, when I look at any organization, door to door, a mastermind group, uh, a small business, you know, I can typically look at the leader and say, oh, damn, this this thing's going places. Right. Because. Yeah. You know whether they're charismatic they have integrity the core values are in line or they're just you know people want to follow them right there's there's a magnetism that comes with it you know it's hard yep. to find you know the the values and mm-hmm. the magnetism in the same package that's rare but when you do or you develop it i mean it's 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 pretty lethal in a sales organization
0: yeah oh absolutely and and i think a leader's ability to create other leaders is what mm-hmm. makes them really influential and allows them to be even more successful because they're amplifying what they're able to do by creating and generating new leaders that can step up, um, rise to the occasion, and help lead other people.
1: <clears throat> Absolutely.
0: Okay. So I want to
1: definitely get deep into Sales Rabbit, but uh, as a software and as a product. But first, you know, one of the things I like to do is talk about you know, my guest's company and their sales org and how they're operating, right? And so yeah. um, with, you know, having a B2B sales product, but still kind of B2C in a sense, because I feel yeah. like you guys market really well to the end user, you know, yeah. so that they go mm-hmm. to the the sales leader and say, hey, we need this. And then the sales leader goes to the org owner or the um, company owner and says, hey, this is a tool that we need. Y- y'all do a really good job of that um how are you guys generating leads right now
0: we do it in a in a wide variety of ways i would say that for our business the way that it stands today we can really categorize everything into five buckets as far as lead streams and then everything kind of branches off from there but those five things, I think, being inbound leads, meaning people that um, know our brand, recognize our brand, uh, they come to our website, they're part of our community, mm-hmm. um, they reach out to us and say, Hey, I'm interested in SalesRabbit and I want to understand more about your product, right? Then we have outbound, which is really the it, complete inverse of that. Haven't heard of sales rabbit. We reach out to them, we're cold calling them, we're prospecting, we're getting creative about how we actually get in and introduce ourselves and then we're working them through the funnel. -hmm. Outside of that, we do a lot of trade shows and conferences. Mm -hmm. We um, have a ever-growing partner and affiliate channel where we we work with a variety of influential leaders, partners, other software and tech um, to really help provide a tool that allows some of these even consultants um, Mm -hmm. to help companies build out these processes and systems to. Uh, make sure that these companies are running as, as well as they can. And then the last one is our free version of our product. So um, you can go onto the App Store. You can download Sales Rabbit totally for free. You can start yes. to use it at no cost. And it's it's really a basic version of our product, but mm-hmm. it is a great way for people to get introduced into sales rabbit, what they can do. Um, and then once they start usually scaling and growing their company, they're going to advance from that free version into a more robust um, paid version.
1: Oh, that's awesome. I don't think I, I knew about that. And that's huge because like I consult <laughs> for companies and I'm like, first thing you need to get is a CRM. Right, yeah. The first thing, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yeah. And so, you know, depending on budget, I typically point them to, you know, obviously Go High Level is very cost-effective. But yeah, if they're doing Mm direct sales, then uh, I'll point them to SalesRabbit. You know, in the past, I wouldn't have done that in terms of a CRM, but you guys have evolved into that from what I understand. You guys have features now that are reminiscent of a CRM.
0: Yeah, we we are ever growing. I would I would call us a lightweight CRM. I'd say the the main difference between SalesRabbit and a CRM is that a CRM will also handle post-close and customer life cycles where <laughs> our our whole forte, our focus, our niche in in the marketplace is really focused around the sales rep, making them successful, and giving organizations insight into what their reps are doing out in the field. And so, once that point of sale takes place, we're typically integrating with CRMs or other solutions to kind of hand off all of that that data, the the relationship uh, mm-hmm. for companies to go and fulfill on on what has been sold. So. Uh, a lot of, of CRM-esque um, functionalities that we have within our platform because it's important for companies to be able to create those various automations and set up a really simple process and workflow for their reps. But, again, our our uh, uh, place in, in the world kind of ends once that sale has been made.
1: No, and I like that. I mean, too many too many softwares right now I feel like are trying to be the catch-all. And it's not working. Yeah. You know, all, all you do is get an antiquated version of what you've uh, basically added mm-hmm. on, I guess you could say. And so I've I've used softwares like that, particularly in solar. And we ended up using Sales Rabbit anyways. <laughs> so, right. so that's just kind of how it works out because of the, I mean, when you go that deep and you stop at that ex- experience point that you you pointed out, I mean, I, I feel like you're going to be a lot better at that part of the journey. You know what I'm saying? Yeah and and it it should it should transition at that point into a, a CRM that is going to be a heavyweight once the customer yeah. is obtained you know and even even that can do some things before the customer is obtained to prime them for that door knock you know or for that field sales experience whatever the case is mm-hmm. so going back to your sales team um, what are some of the things you guys are doing internally that uh, other B2B you know, service business owners can, can kind of execute on, you know, that maybe, maybe these are things that you feel like are not traditional or, um, you know, like yeah. one of the things I recommend to, to my companies that have like fortune 100 clients, you know, is, uh, like giftology, you know, it's one of the approaches that I, I try to implement with their companies to where they're building relationships. Cause these are bigger accounts, right? This isn't yeah. just a residential homeowner. It's, you know, a a, a VP of uh, security or a VP of tech or yeah. a VP of sales, you know, that type of stuff?
0: Yeah, I um, the first things I'd say that comes to my mind really well is uh, at different stages of the company, uh, based on the level of sophistication, um, your maturation as an organization, as you scale and grow, I think it's going to require a different... Um, different ways to approach scaling and making your sales team efficient. Right. Um, I think at, at the early stages, when people are really starting out and creating a sales team, there's um, what I would call almost like this organized chaos, where uh, <laughs> everyone's just trying to essentially do as much as they can with as little as possible, mm-hmm. and they're they're hiring usually um, individuals that that don't need a lot of support, they don't need a lot of right. training self-motivated and they can go out there and be successful and it's almost this sink or swim type of mentality. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, um, what happens though is that some companies I think stay in that stage far longer than what they should. And, and I think, um, I am a big, big, um, advocate for sales ops resources Meaning that as soon as you have the financial uh, ability to be able to hire someone that solely focuses on creating a sales process that is is, uh, scalable, that's trainable, that's repeatable, you got to get that in place and someone to focus on that because so often we have this natural ability. It's like, oh, I need to increase sales. Well, I'm going to hire more salespeople, right? Yeah. But that's not only <laughs> yeah. do it as an organization because, yeah, you can hire more salespeople, but if they're selling a lot less on a per rep average, well, you're not necessarily getting more sales. You're just creating right. a lot more headache for yourself. By, by trying to manage way more than what you should. And so investing in this sales ops um, role or, or individual, mm-hmm. I think it allows companies to scale out um, in a much more intentional way that's going to be f- more favorable on your return investment for sales individuals within your company. And, and again, that's, that's just solely focusing on purely efficiency around the sales process, right?
1: and and i will go ahead and let you guys know that are listening that i did pay sean a hundred dollars to to say <laughs> that that was basically a commercial for my consulting service what oh, yeah, it's what yeah, <laughs> money well spent thank you sean yeah, that's right <laughs> <laughs> so you heard them you heard it here guys invest in your sales program
0: <laughs> no yeah, that's it, that's, it's that's,
1: that's that's massive you know and that's one of the biggest things that i preach is before you go out and then and you know like with most people, I guess most really good consultants is you give away the information, you know, and then they pay for the execution if they want it. Right. Otherwise they can execute on their own. And that's one of the biggest things I teach is, you know, you have got to have a plan before you hire the salesperson. You know what I mean? And if you've already hired the salesperson, all right, great. Now you have, you know, a buddy to work on the plan with and that has actual experience in the field. Obviously you have experience in the field. Typically if you're know the business owner you're the first salesperson right yeah but putting together that plan is massive so when people come in they have the security of a plan you know where Mm -hmm. a lot of times that doesn't happen in sales organization it's like hey come with me and what and do what i do kind of thing you know and it's like i'm supposed to derive you know your genius or your structure or your skills you know what i mean or tactics from that that's that's tough for a new salesperson so I couldn't agree more. Let me ask you this. You've got, you you said earlier, five sources that your leads come in through. Mm -hmm. Are you hiring five different people for each one of those sources? Or do you try your best to find the guy that can do it all and that has that versatility?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I would say, again, um, for me, and again, I think this goes back to where you're at as an organization, right? I think Mm -hmm. the 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 bigger that your organization gets the more specialized you have to become and and when you create specialization within your organization i think it amplifies the success rate of whether it's it's converting a lead to an opportunity an opportunity to close one deal Um, all of of those major points or conversion metrics i think will have a significant lift when you can find specialization for roles now um, for us, we started out of, of essentially having one person do everything. Um, that was you, all the way from, from, <laughs> that's right, that's right, from leads, and then we we expanded it from there, um, and then we kind of broke it up into almost this setter closer model, where mm-hmm. we have someone that is is getting leads, qualifying leads, and teeing them up for someone to come in and close the deal, right? Mm-hmm. And then um, from there, we even branched our, out farther and started segmenting them based on size. So a bigger lead comes in, it goes to more experienced setter. A bigger deal comes in the pipeline, goes more experienced closer, and, and we start to see uh, as we match up salespeople to the segment that they best serve in, and can close in well, again we're getting lift in our conversion rates we're getting lift yeah. in our average deal sizes and contract values because we're we're putting the right people in the right roles um, that's gonna give us a much better lift and so when it comes to those lead sources we we don't have it yet where we have, um, you know, five different roles for each of those different lead sources, but we split mm-hmm. them up about 50-50. And so we have our our more entry-level sales reps that are taking our inbound leads because those are the hottest, they're the warmest, they're the easiest convert. It gets them um, excited, motivated. It, it gets them feeling that success really quickly. And then from there, we have this career path that we build for them, where they move more into outbound, more into doing events, uh, okay. and that way, it takes a, a much greater skill set to be able to convert someone who's never heard of your product or platform or company before, mm-hmm. and and close them down. And so we we kind of have built it um, a career path within our sales org. Based on the level of difficulty as well as the size of the account um, that you're selling, if that makes sense.
1: So you're introducing kind of a, not to say a new concept, but a a uncommon concept, I would say, in in the sense that you said uh, your new people are getting the hot new leads, right? And so, you know, one of my first exposures to a boiler room is I worked for this collectible gold company and I was a marketing manager for them and they sold uh, collectible gold. These guys made two, 300 grand. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. And when you would have
1: a new trainee come in, they wouldn't give them the inbound, the new hot stuff. They would give them all the old stuff and make them cut their right. teeth on that for 90 days. And then once they've proven themselves, like, Hey, I can revive some of these old cuts, which is the harder sale, which is yeah. making sense, you know, <laughs> and, and I can revive some of these older customers. Then I proven myself to take <laughs> these new hot inbound leads and I'm not going to screw them up kind of thing. So you guys yeah. are kind of doing the reverse of that which which makes sense but does that mean that the the compensation is different from the inbound lead to the yeah. you know outbound lead?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it it's probably from a commission standpoint um we're probably paying those outbound people 2 to 3x what we're paying those inbound people. And Love and it. when you when you think about it, it's it's a lot more effort um, on outbound leads, you're, you're also not spending the marketing dollars and resources to produce those right. leads. So you can justify um, getting that return on investment by paying someone more. And so they're more motivated to get those deals, accomplish them. And because it's a lot more work and it's more difficulty, it takes a higher skill set. Uh, you need someone that, that can do it. And so we've, we've found that uh, more a little bit untraditional approach to work uh, really well for us
1: so uh i learned a new term today which i knew the term i didn't know the acronym right and so customer acquisition cost was a term that i use all the time right but um my previous guest was like uh my my cac numbers were all off so cac and i'm like is that a b2b term i guess it is it's a software term and i was just like man that's that's a funky one but i learn something new every day okay so one of the things you were just yeah. talking about is, is, you know, the difficulty of going after those bigger accounts and, and being outbound. Okay. And so mm-hmm. I have clients that they have, you know, the one salesperson that does everything. Right. And I try mm-hmm. to get that salesperson to understand, okay, yes, you are going to almost passively go after the bigger accounts and so not, not passively, but like maybe 10 to 20% of your time needs to be spent on those big accounts, but you need, and this is entry level, Right and this is uh, fairly new, new to the position, you need to start building your pipeline with the small guys and getting those mm-hmm. little wins every day. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Um, but it's happened in the past where a salesperson just gets so hyper-focused on the big one to get that big commission that they yep. lose out on the 20 commissions they could have gotten in between. So how do you
0: kind of, I guess, focus your guys on a healthy mix of the two? Yeah, that that's why we've created various segmentations within our sales work. So mm-hmm. you have um, you have these accounts that, or these sales reps that we're working this segment that we refer to as SMB, which is your small medium sized businesses, and mm-hmm. then you have uh, another group of sales rabbit. Uh, reps that are working your mid market, and then you're another group of sales reps that are working your enterprise. Um, okay. And so, because we're creating um, that focus and again that specialization within that role, you're mm-hmm. less worried about people, um, you know, being um, uh, being or or putting their focus in the wrong areas for too much mm-hmm. time because they know exactly what lane they're running in. And again, we're we're creating more efficiency through specialization and segmentation. Um, now, if if you can't do it that way, right? Because maybe you're you're er- too early um, right. and you haven't gotten to that point, then you just need to have a, a balance in your workday and and be intentional about it. And again, mm-hmm. I think it comes back to the manager leader where it's like, hey, we know that these certain deals they're. There are these big well accounts that we're gonna go after. Um, mm-hmm. I only want you spending 30% of your time on these because we know they're a six to twelve to eighteen month um, sales cycle. Right. And it's gonna take that long and, and it's gonna be incredible when those close, but you gotta make sure that you're you're feeding yourself along the way and we're getting these wins and you're proving yourself as a sales rep. And so we need to make sure that we're seeing a certain amount of small deals and opportunities to get set. And I think if you set up some KPIs or tricks on a a monthly or quarterly basis, depending on your industry, what you're selling uh, to say, Hey, we need you to generate X number of opportunities within this size of accounts this month and, and then work on these bigger accounts. And so I think if you have those expectations set, and as a leader, you're following up with them, you're holding them accountable. I think you um, you don't get into that as much, where um, reps may will be like, oh, I didn't I didn't hit my goals or didn't hit quota this month, and it's like, but mm-hmm. I was working on these big deals and they're making progress, yeah. getting in. Yeah. It's like we're not closing anything. We got to be closing in, and, yeah. and so you got to stay on top of and help people to um, be intentional, be focused on what they're going to be doing and, and what your metrics or KPIs need to be on a regular basis.
1: No, I couldn't agree more. Um, one of the things that, you know, we include in our deliverables is called a scope of work. And on the left side, it talks about income producing activities. And then on the right side, it shows how they fit into your schedule and how much mm-hmm. time should be spent on each. So this is basically a SOP for your day. You know, yep. and then we got weekly cadences under there. And then we have uh, what we like to call controllable actions, which are, you know, targets for, you know, outbound calls, door knocks, um, you know, social media, EMs, whatever the case is, controllable actions that produce based on the formula for that company, a certain result. And then the result is the targets that they have. You know, and I feel like a lot of companies spend too much time on that result instead of. Managing the controllable actions, which will get them yeah. the results mm-hmm. as long as they execute, you know, and so you know that's the, yeah. the the definitely the the first part of it, and exactly what you're talking about there, and I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. So are you? Yeah. Guys- if you're. Go ahead.
0: Oh, I was just gonna say. I I just to echo what you're saying. I think that if if the outputs aren't there, meaning your your sales, your revenue that you're producing isn't there, then you start looking more heavily at the inputs that's driving that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think that so often sales organizations they focus on those outputs, and when the outputs aren't there, it's like Oh, you're just doing terrible as a rep or um, we're yeah. going to let you go or you're going to just leave and walk away because you're not producing. It's like, well, maybe that's not the case. Maybe yeah. there's something that's in the sales funnel that isn't working or mm-hmm. that there's a gap or there's a skill set challenge. and And maybe they're getting people 95% of the way to where they need to be, but they're not finishing it out, which is hurting those results. And and I just think that if you're not capturing that data, you're not looking at the the KPIs, you're not looking at the metrics on a regular basis, or you don't have a system that allows mm-hmm. you to track the metrics, you're missing out on so much opportunity and revenue, and you're missing out on creating incredible salespeople mm-hmm. because you don't have a path. You don't have a system for people to follow a playbook to get to that end result. And, and so you know, what, what you're saying, Doug, I think is is spot on
1: a hundred percent. So let me ask you this, uh, because I have, you know, clients that do B2B how, I guess, I know that you guys have a B2B offer from the direct TV days that we were able to use it for B2B as well, but it wasn't, you know, built out yet. So have you guys Mm. expanded on that? Is that, is that part of your product lineup right now?
0: Yeah, as far as B two B, I would say uh, being realistic about where we're at, mm-hmm. maybe ten percent or so of, of our customer base actually sells B two B. So it, that's, it that's is growing me a lot, honestly. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's growing, but it's growing slowly. Mm. And, and so I would say that um, every year as we release new features functionalities, um, we're attracting more B two B uh especially mm-hmm. they go out in the field and and that's through things like creating route optimizations creating a schedule or adding appointments adding um automations adding campaigns playbooks nurture um, campaigns various mm-hmm. things like that that you're going to need more on the b2b side to track your activity track your engagement because they're typically a little bit longer of a sales cycle than your your um, B2C transactional sales reps. And so we are, are developing it. I wouldn't say that it's our focus, um, by mm-hmm. any means I think it's just happening in the background naturally as we're, we're building out, you know, more CRM type features that, that these B2B companies typically want.
1: Yeah. Because I, I, I will say there's a need for it in the industry. Um, yeah. you know, especially with a lot of my clients, cause they are B2B and, what I see is like go high level is just not fun on your cell phone. You know and I'm saying <laughs> like, that's just not, not a, yeah. a fun thing to have to deal with. But you know, when you look at the data grid feature that you guys have for residential, I think that mm-hmm. would be massive on the B2B side. Are, are you yeah. guys uh, using that on the
0: B2B side as well? We aren't, we aren't using it to the same extent that we are okay. on the residential side. And, and again, for those of you that aren't familiar with this data grid offering is, basically household demographic data for every single house across the U.S. So as soon as I walk into a neighborhood or talk to someone, I know who lives there, um, how long they've lived there, do they own a rent, estimated credit score, income, et cetera, so I can provide an accurate offering of my product and know the likelihood of whether or not they're going to buy it based on mm-hmm. previous customers that purchased it. What we're doing more so on the B2B side is uh, essentially – um, have integration set up where we're pulling business data into SalesRabbit nice. where I can go on the map and say, show me, show me all the restaurants uh, mm-hmm. around me." And we can, we can automatically populate a lead and say, here's a restaurant, here's a restaurant, here's a restaurant, or um, depending on what you're selling to on a B2B perspective, um, dentists, doctor's office, grocery stores, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera then we're we're helping to facilitate that lead creation a little bit more quickly on a mobile device so that you can get a visual on a map of where all of your leads are at. And then you can easily on your mobile device just sit, circle all of those different leads that we just generated and say, okay, now that I have all these leads, um, create a route for me so that I can create the most optimized path to get to all these leads because I want to go try and stop by these businesses on Thursday. Right. And, and so it makes it pretty simple to do all of those type of workflows within our system. Um, And, and, but it's not to, to the extent where we're, we have an, an AI model running in the background to say this business is, is, you know, nine out of 10 likely to, to purchase your product uh, as a business. We're, I think we'll, we'll potentially get there in the future, but we're, we're definitely more heavily focused on the B2C side.
1: Yeah. But even the route optimization is massive because that's honestly a half hour to sometimes yeah. 45 minutes of the sales reps day is yeah. mapping that out, you know, in Google maps mm-hmm. or whatever the case is. And then, and then what happens They get into the area and they realize, Oh just saying a good area and then they got to go do it again for a different area, you know, whatever the case is, or they realize, you know, an accident happened in the area, I got traffic or all these variables yeah. that can happen once you get out to the field and being able to kind of like reposition yourself yeah. in real time is, is, is massive in the, in the B2B game. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, so ni- that means 90% of y'all's uh, consumer base right now is B2C, right? and 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 typically in direct sales. And so mm-hmm. you know, when we look at things like AI, you know, chat GPT 4 coming out now, um, you know, CRM's evolving to have yep. these add-on services and everything, uh as well as uh uh you know, affiliate marketing is kind of I feel like making a big push again, you know. And uh, I'm 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 part of that now. Uh I'm a partner with you guys. Yeah. And, um, what, what do you think is going to happen to sales in general? Right. And, and, and trust me, I've been told that door to door is going out of business for
0: 10 years. (laughs) When I got into door to
1: door, everybody was like, people still do that. And it's like, you have no idea.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. it is pretty, is pretty phenomenal. Even when I was knocking doors back in the day and I'd go knock on a door and, and mm-hmm. people were like, get a real job. And I'm like, <laughs> I probably make three times the amount of money you make by knocking yeah. on doors and selling products. So you can uh, have your I'll real job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll keep this for now, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it was great for the time, but you know, there, there's just nothing in my opinion that is going to replace a face-to-face conversation as much as, as artificial intelligence is, is improving and will continue to improve. And certainly it's going to play a major role in, in the sales process and the buyer's journey because we're, we're looking at AI. We've already introduced AI into our product. And, and ultimately, I think AI will help um, serve up and give sales reps a better indication of when they should go talk to them, why they should go talk to them, mm-hmm. and who they should talk to um, in order to have the best likelihood to get a deal. And and then it could even service up, well, what should we talk to them about? What could be their potential potential? Um, you know, concerns or objections and, and, and AI could potentially gather all this data and information to serve up to sales rep to to create a really good approach. But until the sales rep actually goes and makes that approach, AI is still a best guess at what mm-hmm. they're doing. There's just I don't think anything that's going to replace that ability for someone to cognitively recognize when someone is, is giving a true objection versus a smoke screen versus yeah. um, you know, something else and, and then be able to respond in real time and have the charisma to be able to um, essentially transfer your energy of your product to the customer to create those emotions that, that happen when someone's willing to actually purchase something and, and want to buy it. And so, um, I think AI is, is going to be a massive, um, and we're already starting to see it happen and have a huge impact on the sales world. And if, if we're not, paying attention to it and recognizing what's happening going in the market, we're, we're missing something. Yeah. And, and so I think it's important for us to stay um, in the, the um, the world you know? of understanding, Yeah. And what's going yeah. on and what we're doing there, but I, I don't think that it's, it's certainly going to make this drastic shift where all of a sudden we're completely replacing all yeah. salespeople, especially those people out in the field.
1: No, I think it's hilarious. Anytime, you know, it was, uh, crypto two years ago, it was NFTs a year ago, you know what I mean? And yep. now AI is all the buzz. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and don't get me wrong. You know, I'm, I'm writing some of my, uh, nurture campaigns with AI a hundred percent. It writes better than I do when it comes to nurture campaigns, you know, mm-hmm. now my personal post, of course not, you know, um, right. the proposals I'm putting together for clients. No, you know, like I, I That when, when the product is me, then I need to make sure it's me. But when it's just, you know, follow up, hey, by the way, type stuff, then, then I'm all about the AI and outsourcing that. But, you know, people get on social media or on their soapbox. And it's like, if you don't, if you're not using AI, you're getting left behind.
0: It's (laughs) like,
1: and I've been told that for 13 years about whatever trend is, is coming out. You know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, business is business and you need to know it. You need to know it, and you need to utilize it where you can to leverage. But right now, it's a leverage tool long-term. Can it be a sales force? Absolutely. But um, we, we had a guest on the podcast. I want to say it was like, man, it must have been like four or five months ago, Chris Bell. Um, yeah, Chris Bell, and he had a uh, a software that through AI was able to in real time, give salespeople suggestions on how to overcome the objection and what to say and all this stuff. Right. So it was yeah. really cool. And it was built into a CRM and mm-hmm. had all these really cool features and everything, but it, it was for B2B selling from a computer, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and he said, and I asked him a similar question and he's and he he, he cited this study and I'm going to butcher it, but I just want to, I just want to, I just want the listeners to understand the contrast here. He cited this study that, um, in order for a human to, in order for you to gain no like, and trust, which is what we know is the the mechanism that says, okay, I'm going to buy from this person in order to gain no like, and trust, you have to give a consumer something like 7,200 bytes of information. Hmm. So when we look at the data, right. And so yeah. uh, if you look at a character in a text, that is that, that character in the text is two to three bytes of information. Mm-hmm. So, so think about it. You need at least 2100 letters of text in order to get that right. Yeah. Well, the human the human voice can do it in seven seconds. If yeah. you're in person now, now the information they're getting is multidimensional. Right. Now yeah. they're getting body language tonal, uh, body language and. Uh, um, your nonverbal energy. Yeah, your nonverbal mm-hmm. nonverbals, your energy, too right? Because I believe in that. Like energy is a real thing. Yeah. I can feel it as soon as I meet someone. And so uh, they said, then it goes down to two seconds. Someone will mm-hmm. decide whether they know I can trust you and within two to three seconds of meeting you, you know? Yeah. And that's, and when he said that, it's like, okay, it makes sense now. AI has got <laughs> this massive gap yeah. to make up, you know, because how long does it take yeah. to read that email that I need, yeah. you know, 500, 600 words on, you know, what I'm saying like. Yeah. By the time I get through three or four sentences, I'm done. If you haven't captured yeah. me and then then I'm not going to read the rest of the email. And I'm still not going to know like and trust you until the end of it. You know? <laughs> yeah. And so the the gap is 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 massive, you know. And so I think yeah. it, it just it just makes your point even further.
0: Yeah. I and, and to expound on that, I mean, things that that we're starting to see from our end, especially that's newer to uh, field sales for those people that are out in the field. Mm-hmm. Is is this concept of conversational intelligence, right? And and it's basically um, it, it's already happening where we're recording these these calls that are happening via Zoom, right? And mm-hmm. there's an AI that's analyzing saying, Well, how often do you say this and and you close the deal? How often when you use this phrasing do do you are you more likely to lose the deal or win the deal, right? And so it's it's creating all of these different things. Well, um, without recording everything, you can't transcribe and then and then find those patterns that's happening. But there's new technology that that is coming out where it can record um, out in the field um, what you're saying and recognize you as a salesperson versus someone that's on the other side through your mobile device and and decipher all of that and then transcribe it. And, and so there's all of this that's coming to play that we can leverage for coaching, training, um, ramping, helping these people be successful. But, but again, um, it's, it's not going to replace anyone from going out and doing this physical sell, right? But it's right. going to be supplemental to um, just, uh, I think, enforcing and, and driving home the fact that we'll always need people to go in, engage, sell people.
1: 100%. I couldn't agree more. No, but that is cool. That's cool as shit. You know, anytime that you can can bring data into the the sales conversation and train with it is massive. Mm -hmm. You know, it was always so hard for me because, you know, up until recently that that data was limited to what the salesperson would input. You know, now this idea that they Mm -hmm. could just go out and do their thing and all that data is going to be recorded now and, and, and uploaded and available to Mm -hmm. management and trainers and, and support teams is, is, is huge, you know, because, There's one thing that salespeople don't like to do. It's disposition leads. (laughs) Yeah, It's the truth. It's the truth. No one wants a sale. They'll disposition the shit out of it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's right. That's right.
1: They they don't want to admit they didn't get the sale. Right. So, okay. So, um, a little more of a a personal question to finish up with. And, uh, this is something that we ask all 130 guests that we've had, uh, what does legacy mean to you and what legacy do you want to leave behind?
0: Mm. Uh, I think from a legacy standpoint, it's, if I was to define that in my own terms here, I would say it's, it's leaving an imprint and a mark um, or a stamp that ultimately is going to influence people in the future. And, and so for me, um, I think the, the legacy that I want to leave behind is is anyone that I engage, interact with, um, manage, support, work alongside is, is that they feel um, how much I want them to be successful. And, and because of the daily actions I take, it reflects... Um, that statement. I, I just believe if you can um, go out in the world and serve and help other people around you be successful, then you're easily going to be successful. And, and then when people think about me, it's that that individual helped me to get to where I'm at today. And they, um, they made an impact on my life by helping me become successful and seeing my true potential. Oh, I love it.
1: I mean, I, I couldn't agree more, and I, I like that we both uh, have referenced uh, a Dale Carnegie concept in this <laughs> right. conversation: no like and trust, and then helping others get what they want, and eventually you get yeah. what you want, you know. And um, yeah, I couldn't agree more. That's that's where it's at. I feel like we were built to serve and to love right yeah and so if we can leave a legacy of those two things that's that's massive and I did also like what you said because you know so many people want to have one conversation and that be all the impact but one of the things you said was daily action you know yeah which I think is goes to consistency <laughs> which is is massive when you're talking about leaving a legacy people any anybody can can impact someone one day you know but can you do it you know hundreds of days or years yeah over time and be consistent about it. And so that they know, you know, that's the truth and what you want, which is the best for them. Yeah, absolutely. All right, brother. Well, I appreciate you coming on the podcast, sharing all the cool stuff. You know, I wanted to talk about you and your door to door sales history and everything, but man, we just kind of geeked out on sales uh, Rabbit and software and sales for a while there. So, no, but it was great, man. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you so much. Uh, much. Pleasure to be on, Doug. Thank you for, for having me and working around my schedule so I could be on. Awesome. All right. Let's get building.
1: Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Building Great Sales Teams podcast. We really do appreciate it. As you know, we believe that great leaders build great teams. How do you become a great leader? you learn from the greats join us at the million dollar mastermind put on by ryan stewman in frisco texas and learn everything that you need to learn to be that great leader the link will be in the description below as always we ask that you like share and subscribe wherever you consume podcasts so you can stay up to date with the building great sales
0: teams podcast let's get building